From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in a fun and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. As a disclaimer, due to social distancing guidelines and keeping us all at home safely, we have recorded this episode virtually and sound quality may be impacted. So listeners, if you haven't already noticed the new voices, Wilder Watch has two new hosts that I'm so excited to introduce. We have here with us today, Amanda Kahn and Lindsay Morgan. To get started, why don't you both introduce yourselves and tell our audience about you? Thank you so much, Devante, for that warm welcome. Hi, everyone. My name is Lindsay Morgan, and I have been with the credit union for about three years now. So initially, I started with the credit union and got to the point where I was a financial services representative, too, which means I was doing a lot of teller work and on the front lines and also did work in the back offices, processing new accounts and doing new visa applications, car loans, things like that. And prior to my experience with the credit union, I had worked for Greenpath Financial Wellness for two years, being a financial wellness expert. And I had gone to school for education to be a secondary education teacher. So I'm super excited to now be in a role where I'm a financial educator. Currently, I'm married and I have two kids. And some of the things I like to do uh, when I have time to myself anyway is be able to take walks, center myself. Um, I also thoroughly enjoy a good car karaoke. Um, And I'm super excited to be a part of the Wallet Watch team. Nice. Well, thank you, uh, Devante, for introducing us as well. I'm really excited to be one of the hosts of Wallet Watch um, this season. A little bit about myself. So I've been at the credit union for a little over two years. I started in the call center, um, taking calls from members and helping them with all different kinds of transactions. And then there was an opening in financial education and I applied and it was a perfect fit for me. Um, Before I worked at the credit union, I taught elementary and middle school art for three years. So I definitely get to use my background in teaching as a financial educator. I have two dogs. I have two Great Danes, so I spend a lot of time with my dogs. Um, And then also a new hobby that I've enjoyed um, this last year is gardening. So I've been learning how to garden outside and inside and learning about all kinds of different plants. And I also like to move. So I like to run and bike and do yoga. Um, And I also am certified to teach yoga. So that's kind of some of the things that I enjoy. And I'm really excited to be on the podcast and just be able to teach people in a different platform that I've never experienced before. 
Great, great. I'm so excited to have you all on. And I think this is just going to be a really great season and so forth and so on as we continue to really get out this good material. So like I said earlier, we'll be get, we'll get the opportunity today to really talk about our personal financial journeys and, you know, kind of what we've learned and some pitfalls we've had and how we have kind of ended up in our current situation of where we're at. Okay, so first question, what has your financial journey looked like and how has it shaped your current like financial identity? So mine, I feel like has been kind of a roller coaster. Definitely have made some mistakes along the way, um, but I'm feeling a lot better now. So I, I think my financial journey kind of starts as a child. I wasn't always the greatest at saving. I like to earn money. Um, you know, babysitting, I have four siblings, so I was able to earn some money babysitting my younger brothers and I like to shop. So that kind of started my journey off, maybe not in the best way. And then I think kind of skipping fasting forward, college was a big hurdle for me. So I went to Central Michigan University and I was there for seven years. And I, you know, filled out the FAFSA every single year when I was there and always was just offered loans. Um, I didn't take a lot of time to figure out or fill out scholarships. Um, and then towards the end of my education, I did get a few grants. So my mom co-signed on a lot of my loans and then I graduated with quite a hefty amount of student loan debt for going into education. Um, I got a job easily, so I started teaching right away out of college at the same school that I did my internship with. And I got my first paycheck and was so excited, thought I was making a lot of money. But it turns out I didn't have a very good budget for my classroom. So I taught around 400 kids and they didn't give me enough money for that. So I started using my credit card to pay for my art supplies. You know, I was taught that to have a really good successful lesson, it needed to be engaging and art materials are expensive and creating engaging art lessons need a little bit more than just paper and crayons. Um, so that was a big challenge and a big learning experience for me. I tried to take on a couple more jobs to pay for my classroom and eventually got to this point where I decided that enough was enough and I was done putting my personal finances in front of the school and paying for things for the school myself. So I decided to look for a job elsewhere and that led me to the credit union. And I think that everyone should work for a credit union at some point in their life because you learn so much. And I remember when we first started training at the credit union, I felt like this dried up sponge and I was just absorbing so much liquid from all of the things that I was learning. Um, and it really empowered me through the training that we had to look at my own personal finances and give me some guidance and some stepping stones to get to this place where I'm at now, where I feel like I am a planner. So I plan out my money. I have lots of different um, sub savings accounts where I can use to budget out 
my bills and I'm in this really great place to conquer my credit card debt um, that I took on as a teacher and working towards being debt free once I get those student loans gone, you know. <laughs> but that's kind of that's kind of my journey. Um, I've learned a lot from my mistakes, but I'm also grateful for my mistakes too because um, I'm able to, I feel like I can relate more to people in my job as a financial educator. I know where the people I'm working with have been because I've been there. So I think it gives me a little bit more sympathy or empathy to help them through situations that they're going through as well. Amanda, thank you for your transparency. And also, I just love a lot of the things that you said within that. One is that like, we're not like financial experts. We have just been able to go through life and to learn some different methods that have really worked for us on how to, you know, really navigate money and how to handle it. So I think that that was one like just really great thing. And then recognizing that, you know, your identity doesn't just start when you become like an adult and start handling money, but really even as a kid establishing that identity and, you know, or establishing those money habits and recognizing, you know, how they were as you were growing up. So great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem, Devante. I I like to be authentic and transparent and especially with money because it's still kind of taboo. People don't like to talk about it. And I think that if we can talk about it and if everyone's comfortable talking about it, then there's not going to be so so many negative emotions to finances. Absolutely. So I would say that, you know, to kind of talk about my journey growing up. So I am the youngest of 12. So lots of children when I would, you know, make money off of things or when I would get my allowance or anything like that, I would usually save it like or tuck it away. After, of course, I bought me some candy. So Swedish fish and Sour Patch watermelon had to have me some of those, which is why I have cavities now. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I would try and save my money and that way I could, you know, purchase my own clothes for school. So, you know, was trying to help out as much as possible. Um, and then, you know, I'll kind of fast forward like you, Amanda. Once I got my first job, I worked at worked for a title insurance company and you know I mean I wasn't making a whole bunch of money but it was it was okay money you know I could help out with the bills and then be able to go out with my friends and I was always the friend that was like if you know if we get the check and we're short don't worry I'll tie up the rest of it it's okay um so I think that that has definitely helped to establish my identity as a giver so I'm a person that likes to give gifts and um, help people out um, also of course coming from a big family but um, as I got into college and um, I had the opportunity to be in what I like to call the campus bubble where you know a lot of the problems that exist outside of campus weren't really my problem necessarily because I was on campus, you know, I had my housing, I knew that I was going to eat every day. So, you know, with those things that we call refund checks, which mine were from a loan, so you can't really get a refund from a loan, but I didn't know that. So I got those checks and I would, you know, 
make sure like I had the things that I needed that way I didn't have to call home or even send money back home but also those loans like you mentioned Amanda they really started to add up um, it took me five years to complete my degree and it was it was you know no small price so it was quite a bit of money so once I graduated in 2018 with my with my bachelor's in finance I'm grateful and thankful that I you know had already secured a job opportunity with uh, the financial education uh, team and been offered a full-time position so you know I wasn't extremely worried about that but at the same time I knew that I had these student loans so now I've been paying on them for almost three years and you know doesn't really seem like they're going anywhere like you go down just a tiny bit and not much after that but I definitely think that growing up with the big family and having feeling like I have to of course help out that has definitely helped to shape how I identify to money um, but I also recognize that although it sounds good on the surface you know oh you want to help everybody out that's great that also kind of hinders my financial success so the things that I would like to do with my money so now I've had to learn to really navigate that whole portion of how I am so I recognize that instead of just freely giving money I need to one put a cap on how much I'm going to give out of my budget and two help people to understand that this isn't you know free money or anything like that you know give loans maybe instead of just giving gifts <laughs> so that's kind of how I've been able to navigate that or really how my financial journey has led to what my financial identity is now. For sure. Thank you, Devante. And I can totally attest to your giving spirit. <laughs> you have such a bright, warm personality. And I, I can understand as you're talking about that, you know, really wanting to be able to give and continue to caretake and support your family. Um, considering how you had grown up and I think it can be hard for a lot of people to struggle with being able to prioritize themselves when they're coming from that sort of background so definitely yeah so I really appreciate you you know sharing that um, I had some of the same situation growing up when I was younger where we didn't always come from a whole lot. Um, when I was really young, my family did have good paying jobs and everything was hunky-dory, if you will. But then right around, I think I was the age of 10, my dad left and at one point left no money in the bank for my mom and my sister and myself to be able to live off of. So for a period of time, we did end up financially struggling, but my mom always made it a point to make sure that we had everything that we needed. So all I ever heard growing up was, if you have enough money, you're making it. So for me, that that kind of started to shape that initial financial mindset that I had, where as long as you had money coming in and you had a plan for where that money was going, you're good. <laughs> But it left out that whole idea that, yes, you need to have enough money to go around, but you should also, like you were saying, Devante, make it a point to prioritize yourself, right? So 
that was something that I struggled with for a really long time um, because although I was given the education about how to budget and how to balance a checkbook, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge when it came to saving or how to save or ideas for saving or really even necessarily what to save for. And then my credit card education was to the extent of this is for emergencies. Don't use it unless you have to. So, of course, like 21 year old Lindsay decided to go on shopping sprees (laughs) for (laughs) McDonald's and eating out and, you know, all the things that maybe I didn't get when I was younger, kind of filling those needs. Right. So. My debt started to grow. Student loans as I was going to school started to pile on. And then once I was moved out and on my own around the age of 23 or 24, it hit me like, oh, hey, I'm no longer in school. I have to pay all of these student loans back. And I have all of this debt to deal with. So I got on board with trying to pay those things down. But then I also had to consider now at 25 or so, now I'm married. So now it's no longer about me and my financial situation. Now it's about somebody else and their finances too. And it became a real um, a, a point in mine and Joe's marriage where we had to learn each other's financial selves and have conversations about how is our financial situation going to work moving forward as a married couple? Are we going to be separatists and keep everything separate or combine finances or are we going to merge things together? And I like to be more of a planner, you know, have that idea for where my money is going month to month. So as I obtained my job with Green Path Financial Wellness and learned what I did about credit that helped me to be able to start to have a conversation with my husband Joe about hey you know this is something that we need to be mindful of because again if we want to become homeowners in the future it it really allowed us to be able to see that you know your credit score and your financial situation can really empower you or it can disempower you very easily so we had to make a plan and get on the same page and It's a journey, right? Like anybody's financial situation, I feel like we all hit different bumps in the road, but then hopefully we learn from those mistakes and move forward. So again, having a conversation and being able to be open, as Amanda was saying about your financial situation really allowed us to see where we had opportunities for growth and then try to decide what tools we were gonna use that we had learned along the way from Green Path and from my job at the credit union and really be able to make a plan and then to try and, and stick to it. So for me, I would say that, you know, I've, I've always been a planner, but now it's that definition has been added to because now I plan for me as well. And I plan for my family and I plan for our future selves moving forward. And I don't know that I would have been able to do that or I would have thought even to do that had I not known what I know now. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Lindsay. I like and connect with the fact that you said that you've now put yourself inside of that plan and you're important. And and also the importance of recognizing the difference in identity and approach to money within a relationship. 
for sure. It definitely has a, a whole separate <laughs> dynamic <laughs> that, like I said, has, has at points been a struggle. But, you know, like how we were saying earlier, unless we have conversations and we're being willing to be open and honest and have those conversations, right, that's those conversations are the instigator for change. So how big of a role do we all think um, that emotions play into financial decision-making? Well, I can kind of start to tackle this question. It's a big question. I think emotions play an enormous role in financial decision-making, whether people realize it or not. I think a lot of times there's some emotions connected to money and spending that we might not think are happening or even realize um, we could be using spending as a way to find some instant gratification to kind of fill some voids that we have. And I've been actually doing a lot of reading and researching about how emotions and financial decisions kind of go hand in hand. And it's just through the research and the reading that I've been doing, it's been interesting to kind of see in my own personal finances when I can recognize that I might be having a certain emotion when I'm spying or spending um, money and kind of taking a step back and saying, hmm, what is this emotion making me want to do? Am I buying this item just to fulfill a want or is this something that I really need? And I think personally, like I've grown a lot. I mean, I remember crying on the phone when I was talking to like my student loan servicers and they're helping me through this process of making some decisions on how to pay those back to feeling like I'm a little bit more confident with the decision that the big financial decisions that I'm making. You know, this last fall, I actually had to purchase a vehicle and I felt great about it. I felt like I knew exactly what I was going to say when I got to that dealership. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't going to let them push me around because of some of the education that I've had around loans. I was empowered to go and make those decisions. What do you think, Devante? I think that emotions definitely play. I agree wholeheartedly with you that emotions definitely play a big role in financial decisions. Um, I can say for me, I like cars, right? If you work with me and you pay attention to, you know, like what I'm driving or, you know, if we go to lunch together, uh, usually I don't keep a car past 18 months to two years. I don't know what it is. It's just like this thing where like I feel the constant need to look at vehicles. So that in turn gets me excited about getting another vehicle. Literally like I could get a vehicle and then like the next day be looking like, hmm, in two years, like, hmm, let's see, this will be a you, this will be used and it'll be less money. So maybe this in two years and then a year later, I'll see something else that I really like. And then I may become laser focused on it. But I recognize that it's also kind of the emotion of the same old, same old, like, oh, I want to change. I really want to change. Well, how about, you know, changing your pair of shoes instead of changing your car, Devontae? That may be a little <laughs> better for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also <laughs> like being hungry and going shopping. This is a good example. When you go to the grocery store, you should not be hungry when you go to the grocery store. You're going to buy more than what you intended to come in there for. Also, you know, having a shopping list so that way you don't have that those moments of confusion up in your head 
when you're shopping and you're like just going from aisle to aisle like what did I come in here for what did I come in here for then you're picking up additional things you know that buy five save five did you really need all those items on that buy five list no probably not but I'm going to take them because I didn't fully prepare my emotions and my mind before I came into the grocery store so I definitely think that emotions play a big part Lindsay what do you think about that what do you think about you know emotions and how they're tied to money yeah so yes to all the things for sure (laughs) um I definitely feel like emotions are tied to how I spend um giving a married perspective I know that after Joe and I go over our budget that is the time where like no spending happens, right? (laughs) Because we get back to our plan. We've just gone over what the plan is or how little money we have at that point in time or how much money we do have at that point in time or even just giving us time to talk about like, okay, what are some of those future goals that we have for ourselves? So for example, I just received a message from one of Joe's best friends last night that his wedding was going to be coming up in September and he lives in Virginia. So if this wedding um, does happen to proceed with the uh, pandemic in mind, then that is going to be something that we are going to have to save for. So again, when we have those conversations and we've just reviewed our budget, not a whole lot of spending happens. But then after maybe two weeks, maybe after a payday, it's like, oh, you want to go out to eat? Yeah. <laughs> we just, we need those little breaks in time where we can, we can spend on ourselves or love on ourselves, right? And so for me, that's one of the emotions that I sync with uh, money is just even loving myself from time to time, being able to do something for me. And oftentimes those things are connected to money, whether it be something that I'm buying, if I'm watching one of my girlfriends sell jewelry on Facebook Marketplace during one of her lives, or again, whether it be, you know, Joe and I are just exhausted as parents and we just don't feel like cooking that night. And we've been budgeting really well and haven't spent a whole lot of money otherwise, then those are things that we tend to along the way indulge in, but we're trying more and more to be mindful of when we indulge and how much (laughs) we indulge. Yeah, so I would say that that is primarily how my emotions play a role in my financial decisions at this point in time in my life, for sure. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think we have a lot of similarities when it comes to looking at our personal emotions with financial decisions. I think we're all pretty lucky that we work in the financial industry and we can kind of recognize when our emotions might be getting the best of us and deterring our financial journey where we don't want it to go. Um, I think as a final question is what do y'all think is important components to navigating different financial pitfalls along your journey? Ooh, I know for me, remember I told you all about my fascination with cars, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. what my formula has been um, in order to alleviate, kind of alleviate the pressure of, um, or the cost of those vehicles, because 
like I'm not a person that likes to splurge on a lot of things like okay gifts for other people I'll do that but like for myself I'm pretty basic on the things that like I purchase um so I don't feel like my car my car fascination is like the end of the world and it makes me feel good because I like to drive a nice vehicle or what I consider as a nice vehicle so with that understanding I know that I have to put and I'm just learning this really um, I know that I have to put a little more one space between the amount of time that I am purchasing another vehicle so in, maybe instead of 18 months absolutely doing two years or more I know that, you know, if I'm purchasing that vehicle that's at least three years old, then a lot of that depreciation that's going to happen has happened. And since I know like in two, two and a half years, I'm probably going to want a new car because this has been my track record. I know that I can be putting a little money aside, even if it's just a little bit aside over those two years to make sure that that down payment that I want to put down is not going to offset my budget or offset my savings too much. So that's kind of how I've been able to navigate that pitfall. Of course, that's been learning myself and learning what I what I absolutely like. And I know that I absolutely like like cars. So if that's going to be something that I decide to do, then I can't have a whole bunch of other things that I really like. You know, um, like I like to go out to eat, but I realize that I have to limit that because in the grand scheme of things, that can if I take that budget or that amount of money that I spent out to eat and I really add it to, okay, I really like to drive a nice vehicle, um, then that'll give me even more money for my down payment. And that'll then offset when I get ready to trade the vehicle in and the amount that it's worth. So I think that's my biggest pitfall and that's kind of how I'm navigating it. What about you, Lindsay? Yeah, so I think I've done a lot of that same self-reflection on like how a lot of us have right with having the jobs that we've had that has definitely been a perk in allowing ourselves chance to know what kind of spender we are um or know like what kind of budgeter we are so and Devante notice that you make kind of a lot of these commitments to yourself right so I think that that's something that Joe and I have also had to do is again, make those commitments to ourselves to make sure if we're saving for something, like for me, it'll be like, okay, if we really wanna make it to this wedding in September, then what area are we willing to maybe spend a little bit less in, in order to make that a reality? So again, it's just kind of like reallocating for us where that money is essentially going. And, um, being able to make those those dreams a reality. Um, I think that too, something that has helped us to navigate our, our pitfall of sometimes overspending here and there, or being a little overindulgent at times, has been just that commitment to constantly review our budget. <laughs> the more that we see the numbers staring back at us or the more that we see, you know, that total amount of credit card debt or student loan debt, the more it kind of puts ourselves in our place to remind us of those goals that we have. That way we can actually make it happen because there have been too many times in the past where we've had a vision, but then we've strayed from that. I would say that 
even though I'm a planner, I also identify this is this is a new Lindsay thing, new Lindsay identification as like a wanderer, right? So <laughs> I will plan where I want my money to go, but I kind of wander off the path and I spend here and there along the way. And um, it hasn't done me good. <laughs> so the more that I can revisit, get back on track, get back on the path, um, get back to the budget, the more I've been able to achieve those financial dreams that I've had. So that has been key in allowing me to be successful. Yeah, I like what you what both you are Amanda? saying about, you know, having some kind of self-awareness for the habits and emotions that you might have around money. And I think that's kind of key starting there and evaluating what kind of emotions you have and maybe starting to think about, okay, how can I change my emotions and my attitude towards money? I think I've tried to change my attitude, especially, you know, on payday when I'm paying all my bills instead of it being like, oh, all my money's gone. I paid all my bills to more of this attitude of of having gratitude that, you know what, I paid my cell phone bill this month. I was able to pay for my internet. My loans have been paid on time. It's going to help my credit go up. Um, and being a little bit more grateful. I know it sounds weird, but being grateful that I can pay those bills, that they're paid on time and I have money, you know, for food and I have money for my needs. And then just taking even little tiny hurdles, like I'm really working on being better at savings and creating a habit of savings. So even just, you know, seeing the little tiny growth that's happening, um, being appreciative of that and seeing that success. I think one other thing that is really hard to do is to not tie your happiness to your money. And I mm -hmm. I think like living in this pandemic, I've really tried to reflect every day and find happiness in some of the small things, you know, like goofy things that my dog does or spending time with my boyfriend or just even really simple things like watching a funny TV show and trying to find that and connect my happiness to that versus connecting my happiness to wanting to buy a cute outfit that I saw on someone else's Instagram or seeing things on social media that aren't really real. But I think that kind of all takes some time and practice to shift your mindset on money and be aware of your emotions. Nice. <laughs> well done, you all. I think we, you know, really explored some good information here. So I would say that my one of my big takeaways from our conversation has been to recognize the importance of not only your own financial identity, but anyone that you may be kind of in a relationship with um, or anybody that, you know, you may spend money with. So recognizing the importance in that so you know it's not just okay i'm a planner and this person may just spend their money you know frivolously or whatever and that doesn't matter that doesn't make me any difference but sitting down and having that conversation and coming to an understanding of what our goals are going to be so that we can navigate this financial life together um thank you for that lindsay for sure Devante. anytime yeah and I, I really appreciate the fact that you can relate to that. And I think that that is 
a great reason to have this conversation is because I think so many of these topics we're gonna are gonna resonate with so many people and my biggest takeaway the thing that resonated most with me was actually what Amanda just said about you know allowing your financial situation to not overrun to which degree you're happy or unhappy right and reminding yourself of those small wins so that is something that I have struggled to do from time to time and I like to think that I'm more of a a glass half full kind of person but I know that too it can be really hard if you're facing a lot of adversity and I'm sure a lot of our listeners now are are facing potentially a lot of hardships uh, as a result of the pandemic so I think reminding yourself of all of those small wins, even if you're not in a situation where you can save quite yet. My biggest takeaway of just learning about your journey and Devante's journey and how there's a lot of similarities that we have. And I think it's been an important conversation um, to talk about these journeys and just to kind of know, like, you know, I'm not by myself. I'm not the only one that has what can feel like overwhelming student loan debt, or I'm not the only one that has not always made the best choices with credit cards. So I think the takeaway for me is that, you know, we're all human and we all have journeys that kind of intertwine financially. And um, I think it's just a little powerful to hear other people's stories. And I think that more stories should be shared. I think we shouldn't be afraid to talk about these things because you can learn about what other people are doing when you do have these conversations. Yes, definitely. Um, You know, um, having those, being open with your experience with money can definitely help someone out. I think that's what we get the opportunity to really do every day um, is being open with our experience with money and allowing it to maybe help someone out or help someone to identify and um, understand that that point of identification when I can identify with you, you know, I'm usually a little more apt or a little more easily able to listen to you and understand what it is that you're saying. So love that takeaway. Love your takeaway, Lindsay. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. At MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union, we are always looking for ways to educate individuals on the importance of smart money management. WalletWatch is one of the great ways that we're able to do that. But if you'd like to learn more, we have additional resources that you are able to utilize for free. Financial 4.0 is a free app and website that offers users access to their own personalized budget tracker, financial quizzes, published articles, weekly tips, and more. It's a fun and interactive way to learn about money and take control of your finances. If you're interested in learning more, visit financial40.org or find us in your app store by searching Financial 4.0 for MSU or Financial 4.0 for OU. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn, Devante Montgomery, and me, Lindsay Morgan. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik.
Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.